Hello and welcome to The Church in Action. This week we're starting a two-part series on forming disciples and not just churchgoers with Pastor Bobby Warrenberg, Senior Pastor of North Shore Community Baptist Church in Beverly, Massachusetts. We hope you enjoy. This week we'll continue our talk about the church's primary mission, which is to make disciples. Uh, and we'll be with uh, Pastor Bobby Warrenberg. Pat Bobby is the Senior Pastor at North Shore Community Baptist Church in Beverly, Mass. He's the founder of the North Shore Gospel Partnership, which is a network of churches on the North Shore. He's director of Vision New England and a key voice really leading uh, this exploration of disciple making and how to have a disciple making culture in your church. And so, Bobby, thanks for being with us. Yeah, real pleasure, Charles. And so, Bobby, for folks who may have missed the last time you're on, could you just remind folks a little bit about what, a little bit about your bio and a little bit about who North Shore is? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I was. Uh, Raised in Austin, Texas, uh, came to follow Jesus uh, my senior year of high school through a young life ministry and the witness of one of my professors at uh, high school and my uh, not not then but now wife. Uh, went to uh, university and uh, studied accounting and worked in the professional world uh, doing consulting, financial consulting for a few years. And then uh, went with a group of friends uh, to live in China and work professionally and also work alongside the underground church in China. So that was a very uh, formative uh, cross-cultural experience for me. Um, after that, uh, studied at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, which is uh, just uh, non-denominational, broadly, probably broadly reformed uh, seminary, at least at the time, uh, in New England. And uh, just fell in love with this place, uh, had a really great experience uh, being on the North Shore. And uh, then uh, after seminary, uh, was a pastor in southwest London, England uh, for eight years. And that's really where I uh, learned about pastoral ministry, preaching, teaching, visitation, counseling, weddings, funerals, uh, helping you know to lead a church and um that was a really great experience of doing uh, ministry and making disciples in a very secular post-Christian part of the world. And uh, about eight and a half years ago, we uh, moved back to the North Shore. And so I've been pastoring a historic uh, Baptist church in Beverly Farms, Massachusetts for, yeah, for just over eight years. And that stint in the UK made it a very long path to get from Gordon Conwell's campus to your church about 15 minutes away. <laughs> yeah, I know, that is amazing. Yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of similarity between uh, England and New England, uh, and there's differences as well. But uh, it, was, it was actually a pretty good cultural fit for us. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, uh, we have always loved uh, this part of the country. And I've always been drawn to places where there aren't as many Christians or where there's a lot of people that are uh, maybe a bit skeptical about faith or about the church or about Christ, or I always think of that kind of Zacchaeus figure in the tree. I've always kind of been drawn to that kind of person who's kind of looking in, but not quite sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, uh, yeah, this is just, this part of the country is a good fit for us and we love it here. Yeah. And, and, and so we love having you here. Uh, but uh, but uh, you know, you and I have talked about you know, Gordon McDonald has been asking us this question about how do you know your folks are growing spiritually? And that's a really important question uh, that a lot of us are struggling to say, well, I, I, we, we're, that's not how we 
been talking about church and thinking about church for generations now, but we need to get back to that. And so, but before we talk about you know, your answer to that and how you're stepping into that, yeah. let's back up a little bit to why is that such an important question? Why is making disciples such a big deal for us? <clears throat> yeah, excuse me. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, there's a lot of different ways uh, for us to come at this. I think maybe sp- specifically for us as a church. So our church's vision is to see a gospel movement on the North Shore. And uh, that that looks like us in partnership with the church of the North Shore. So not just us as a single church, but collaborating with other churches for the sake of uh, more gospel access on the North Shore. There's about two to three percent of people who have a living, vital relationship with Christ and are part of uh, uh, the church on the North Shore in a kind of vital way. Mm-hmm. Um and so, in other words, there's a lot of people that need Christ in Essex County. Um, that's about uh, 25,000 or so Christians and about 780,000 people. And so our desire is that uh, more people, every man, woman and child on the North Shore would have uh, many opportunities uh, to see, hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus. So see that gospel transforming people, transforming a community to be able to understand it, to be able to see it, uh, what it looks like in a life. And so we need a lot more of that here, right? There's a real problem with proximity to lives and communities being changed by Jesus. So when we think about our church's vision to see a gospel movement, um, of course, that's about our witness of uh, evangelism and justice. But, but obviously then it begs the question, well, who are we mobilizing into that harvest field, so to speak? In other words, that God has made it so that this witness about Jesus is a witness that comes through his people. So the the uh, spiritual reality of those people is utterly crucial. Hmm. And so um, that really got us thinking about, okay, well, then what is the connection between a gospel movement and, um, you know, the, the state of our, our discipleship and people. So I remember when, uh, when I was uh, visiting Austin once, I was up on top of a building. I think it was the Whole Foods in Austin. And uh, it was kind of this view of downtown. And right across from the Whole Foods was a new construction site where they were building one of those high-rise apartments. So a lot of high-rises have come into Austin. And this was going to be one of these, you know, I don't know, 30, 40, 50-story high-rise uh, buildings. But what all, all you could see at the moment for the construction was this enormous hole in the ground. It was huge. I mean, it looked like an abyss. And it was funny because it's like, well, you guys are trying to go up, but you're going down, right? Mm. In, in order to go up really high, you're having to dig this incredibly deep hole, yeah. right? And in fact, the higher you want to go, the the further down you better go, right? And I think that relationship kind of captures a little bit of what I'm trying to say, that I think witness is about how is your formation in Christ? So, of course, it includes being able to answer some things and say some things, but actually more importantly to that is, how deeply has your life been formed by the person of Jesus and the presence of his spirit and the community of God's people and his vision of the kingdom? Like 
is that gone down really deep? And, and if you want to see a movement go up and wide, I suppose, you better be thinking about that going down deep aspect. So it, it, it's a great analogy. And, and I, you know, as you were saying, it, I, I've been thinking about what so many of us, the gospel we present is Jesus Christ died for our sins that we might have life everlasting. And that's certainly a component of the gospel, but it really doesn't speak much to my life here. Mm. And, and, so, and so it's, it's actually, I think, just a part of the gospel message. Sure. Right? Jesus is preaching the kingdom. Can you speak into that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one of the problems with that, you know, Jesus died for my sins so that uh, I can have life everlasting. It's not that in a way that I would say that statement is not true. I would just say it's really incomplete, first of all. And it's incomplete in a couple of ways. Um, first of all, it's, it's disintegrated potentially. By disintegrated, I mean a faith that simply ascribes to the right propositions, but is not transforming the life of a person is a disintegrated faith. So we have a whole book in the New Testament that challenges that, which is James. James is wanting people to be whole, that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So in this case, trials are brought about by God to fill in what is missing in our life. In other words, what is disintegrated between word and deeds, faith and action, what you say, how you live, um, you're following Jesus, your lack of care for the poor, you're a leader, but you're not, you know, it, the whole book is about things being made whole in the life of a person. And so part of the problem with that, that understanding, I suppose, is it's a disintegrated understanding of, of what it means to follow Jesus. But the other problem with it is, um, that it assumes that God's vision is kind of this vision of escape so that Jesus comes in and performs a rescue and he's trying to get you out of this earth into something else. Whereas actually the biblical vision is one of rescue and redemption and restoration of this world that God made and of the people that he intends to partner with in ruling that world. And so, um, you know, the kingdom of God is this, this is how we are called to live under Christ's reign in his world. Um, so in other words, he doesn't come and announce a kingdom that is elsewhere than the world. It's, the kingdom of heaven, that sounds elsewhere, but is near. In other words, it's heaven is reuniting with this world and your life in it. And I think if we don't give people that vision, then you're right. It does just become a, um, well, I guess I'm just kind of buying time in order to get to heaven, which yeah. is, you know, when you think about that Pilgrim's Progress, the John Bunyan, I mean, just such an amazing you know, allegory of the Christian faith. One thing it might be missing, though, is that the whole thing seems to be he's just trying to get through as fast as possible to get to the celestial city. Well, but what about everything along the way? 
you know, what about, what about kind of his life in the world as the world being a place with some purpose other than just to get through as quickly as possible or as unscathed as possible. So I think, yeah, I think that's a vision that kind of needs to be recorrect, corrected a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Jesus in Matthew 4, it says, and then he pre started preaching his message was the kingdom is near. Then he sends the apostles out to preach the kingdom is near, right? I, I'm doing, for a different reason, I just had to count this. Jesus talks about the kingdom 49 times in Matthew. Yeah. If I, if I can count, right? And right, and and so he's talking about the kingdom, I think, a lot more than we are. And it's, and it's very, some of the contexts are not perfectly clear that he's not talking about a future kingdom, but some of them are very clear is a kingdom here and now. And it is not a future thing only. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And um, again, I, you know, Charles, you and I have kind of a similar tradition and background. You know, maybe some of us uh, in, in putting it so far into the future, it was well. Jesus had that in mind. Unfortunately, that got rejected, and so the whole plan has been put off to some future date. Um, and, and the sad thing about that is it takes the great salvo and, and a vision of the Christian life of Jesus. And it just literally punts it into the future. Yeah. Uh, which is, yeah. Uh, which is really unfortunate actually. And, yeah. and it's hard to reconcile with some of the clear present tense descriptions of the kingdom Jesus is giving. Sure. And, and then when we talk, start talking about a gospel message, if it's only about that future state, there's not something that's changed about me, really, mm. that is attractive to somebody else that they should be seeing Jesus in me. And it's in the way of our gospel message. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. You know, uh, Leslie Newbigin said that the church is the hermeneutic of the gospel. And that's the hermeneutic is just a fancy word of saying that. To, to take something and make it intelligible and engaging and compelling and something you can understand. So in other words, that the church is the context in which the gospel becomes compelling, understandable, visible, as it were, um, the difference that Jesus makes. So, uh, yeah, when the church, and that's basically the witness of the church, when we're not doing that, not only are we, I mean, we're kind of, the, Jesus wants the church to be this place where people can find it compelling. And so when we don't do that, we're kind of messing up the whole mission. So, yeah. And, and, and I would say too, just as important, you, we could, we could go too far in the other direction too. And the kingdom is already here. Yeah. And that can kind of set up another set of problems with unrealistic expectations or kind of, um, I don't know. It can lead to other kind of compromises, really. So, and, and I, I used to say to my Sunday school class when we were studying Revelation that if this is the kingdom fully developed and fully here, it's a bit of a letdown. <laughs> no, that that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think that more holistic vision of what Jesus is desiring to bring, a more holistic vision of what a disciple is. Um, so, you know, as a church. We, we, you know, we thought a lot about um, 
why is this important? Well, it's important because I, of I, I think that's a really important point. What we want to see, for, for we want to see a gospel really sit and think which looks about like it, more people work on this just having proximity is our life to a Jesus community being have, transformed by it. Therefore, the transformation and of the community, now we the make depth a profession of, its of faith and we surrender to really Jesus crucial. and we go to church um, and we try and do good things. So, but we still have, but the I have, I want, I do is still there. And and we haven't kind of fix that stuff because that's not what life is meant to be we've just kind of added on without intending to we're realizing it for me for a long time didn't even know that's what we did and so you're trying to get us past that is what i hear you talking about is so so how so how do we get past that Mm. Yeah, so I, I think, and just to, yeah, good question. Um, so I think what we're trying to say here is that discipleship is an identity. It's not something you do. It leads to you doing something, but primarily it's who you are. So um, you, in other words, it's not, um, okay, in my life, I'm like this juggler and one ball is work and one ball is my recreational life and one ball is my parenting and one ball is my discipleship. It's not one more ball to juggle. It's the juggler. It's now I parent as a disciple of Jesus. I pursue my vocation as a disciple of Jesus. I go to church as a disciple of Jesus. I spend time with my friends, et cetera, et cetera. It's an identity and therefore it's grounded in this being that leads to a certain doing. Um, and so therefore the how and, and question, so, how and we so make could, disciples so can you define, has to always be something for that and, and then is about how do you deepening most of us and don't know how to make them. We don't know what they are and we don't know how to make them. That sense of identity and not just simply adding a set of activities. Um, yeah. Good yeah. question. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So w- w- what we did as a church is we actually did start there, Charles. So I think Dallas Willard has three questions. What's your definition of a disciple? What's your plan for making disciples? Is your plan working? And how would you know? Yeah. So we started batting that around as a church leadership. And we then started out with what do we mean when we say disciple? We all say the word, but do we have a a consensus around what we mean? And so we uh, spent a lot of time in the scripture, uh, a lot of time reading the gospels and the epistles and uh, the definition that we came up with. And again, I don't think the important thing is the right definition per se, but at least that you have one. If it's important to you, you ought to at least know what you mean by it. So our definition is a disciple is created by the gospel to learn Christ and lead others to do the same by the power of the Holy Spirit. So for us, it was important to begin with a disciple is created by the gospel to say that discipleship actually begins with a divine initiative. 
What was interesting about Jesus is he went around calling disciples, taking the initiative, calling them into this relationship. That was really unique for a rabbi. Um, some might have said a bit presumptuous for a rabbi. You know, the rabbi is supposed to um, be asked by the disciple, for, you know. But what we're trying to emphasize is that this discipleship began with God's movement into our world and our life. And it was a movement of grace, meaning it was not conditioned upon the worth, the status, the morality, the religiosity, the wealth, the class, etc., of the disciple or the future disciple. It wasn't conditioned on that. It was solely a gift of God and his call. And we feel like that's something that we have to constantly keep at the level of definition because it's the grace of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. You know, it, the grace of God is the fuel for the entire Christian life. And so we want to put that, <clears throat> we want to put that there. So created by the gospel to learn Christ. What do we mean by that? Why do we say learn Christ? Well, that comes from Ephesians 4 and learn is mathetes in Greek which is the word for disciple, um, a learner. Um, and when we say learn Christ, it's interesting. Um, it's learn, a, it, it feels like it needs a preposition, right? Learn about Christ, um, learn from Christ, uh, learn information, you know, but it's learn the whole person of Christ. We can make, learning we can make it very person. informational about, you know, learn. And learning here, Christ is learn not about, just an I academic just data. It includes that, but right? it's vastly more than that. So I love how Dallas Willard said, uh, a disciple is becoming the person that Jesus would be if he were you. So that's good. We can make information. We got a lot of those, especially here in my neck of the woods. This is probably one of the most academic areas of the church on the planet. We got a we got a Gordon College, we got a Gordon Conwell, we got a ton of PhDs and former seminarians. You know, right? And we know we know a lot of information, but discipleship is becoming the person Jesus would be if he were you. In other words, if he had your brain, if he had your vocation, if he had your family history, if he had your mental health. If he had your neighbors, your children, who would Jesus be if he were you? And that to me gets starts coming at this issue of holistic learning of Christ. Then leading others to do the same was all about um, intentional investment and multiplication of our faith. This was probably one of the areas that in our church people said, I don't know that I've ever been about intentionally, quote, making another disciple. Um, other than maybe my children, let's say. And so we, we, again, as we got to the how, we thought, okay, well, it's got to be something that's going to address that question of helping others to invest their faith in others by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, this is not a human, like this is not just us making it happen. God's personal presence is with us, empowering us, transforming us, working in the people that we're seeking to disciple, working in our own life. Um, God is very much part of the of activating this process in our life, and we want to honor that as well. So we came At up this we point. How, how long agreed that definition, and then we talked about that definition. 
um, classes from the pulpit, blogs, videos. We talked about it a lot in sermons. Uh, we referred to it a lot. Uh, and then uh, we started to think about, okay, well, what's our plan then for making disciples? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that that just sort of um, we actually literally got a little think tank together, you know, because, again, we're a lot of thinkers around here, academic types. And uh, so we thought about what is a disciple, did a lot of study and thinking and reading. And so that was about okay. a six, six week process, I would say. Um, and, and then that think tank wrote a little paper, as you do, and presented that to elders and deacons and presented that to the church and that type of thing. <clears throat> so that was about how long that that kind of definitional thing took. Um, and then it was a question of, uh, well, what's your plan then for making disciples? Um, now, again, I think we need to recognize that uh, there's a lot of language, especially in the parables of the mystery of how the kingdom of God grows. The farmer knows not how. Just somehow God does his thing quite surprisingly. Um, so, hey, uh, the way we're going to bring a kingdom of God is not with this great military or this great rabbinic school. Um, we're going to we're going to bring a seed, this little seemingly insignificant seed, and we're just going to drop it in soil. And it looks like it just where did it even go? And somehow overnight, though the farmer knows not how this thing is going to grow up into a tree that fills it. So I think we need to recognize the. Um, seemingly insignificant and through weakness ways that God grows disciples in the church. But that doesn't mean that, oh, therefore we shouldn't have a plan. Thanks for listening to part one of our conversation on forming disciples and not just churchgoers with Pastor Bobby Warrenberg. This program was created by Vision New England, which accelerates evangelism by helping the church make disciples, do justice, and foster unity so people want to know Jesus and New England is transformed. You can find more resources and donate at visionnewengland.org. This program is brought to you by our friends at the Luis Palau Association, who are dedicated to proclaiming the good news, uniting the church, and impacting cities worldwide. Stay tuned for part two.